Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The tighter we hold on to control, then when it slips, because we never really had it, it leads us to more despair. It's like a, it's like a bar of soap. The tighter you grip it, the easier it is when it shoots out. That is what happens with this. When we try and hold on and we have this death grip on controlling every facet of our life and we don't realize that we're never in control, that God is in control, then when we lose it, it leads us into this cycle of despair. We are not good at not being in control. We like having all of our ducks in a row. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Have you ever had something taken from you? Most of us have. Maybe someone decided to take our purse, a wallet, a phone, or something else of ours that did not belong to them. When this occurs, we generally want to get back what we lost as soon as possible. But what if the circumstances of life take something from us? When we go through an illness, a furlough, a divorce, a bankruptcy, it seems we often lose something in the process. But we don't always try to get back what was taken from us. Instead, our faith gives way to fear. Hope gives way to despair, kindness gives way to anger, and assurance gives way to anxiety. When this happens, we need to declare the promises of God to regain what has been given to us through a faith in Jesus. In this sermon series, we will explore some of the good things that life's challenges can take from us, including our faith, our hope, our kindness, our assurances, but more importantly, how we can take those things back. Please enjoy the message. jumping back into our Taking It Back series as we're talking about, man, this last year has been crazy for a lot of us and it's been negative in a lot of ways, but how do we take that back? And, and I get to talk us through how do we shift our views from despair over to hope? And so Phil sent me this a couple months back and I was thinking of, um, you know, how do, what am I gonna write about? And then it came to me, the conclusion, and it dawned on me that I don't know what despair means, so I looked it up. And here's the definition for you guys so you're not embarrassed. Uh, despair is the utter loss of hope or a cause of hopelessness. So I'm thinking through of how can I paint this picture for you? What am I in despair about that I could, I could communicate to, to you fine people? And then I thought to myself, well, man, Nothing's more despairing than being a New Orleans Saints fan when you're going into the playoffs. Now, if you're not a football fan, let me take you down a quick memory lane of what has happened the past couple years being a Saints fan. And it's, and it's pretty hard and it hurts my heart, but I think I've healed enough to be able to talk about it on an open forum. So here we go. The first year was 2017. So 2017, the past three years, they've been terrible. But in 2017, the Saints would go 11-5 and five in the regular season. That means we get to go to the playoffs. And in the first game of the playoffs, we, we have the Panthers who is a, a, divisional, a divisional team, and we smoke them, and it's awesome. And I'm riding on cloud nine, and then we would go on to face the Minnesota Vikings. If you are from Minnesota or you're a Vikings fan, don't talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm not bitter, you are. Uh, and so we're playing this game against the Vikings, and it, it's a close one. It's back and forth, and we get to the last second of the game, right? The only thing we need to do, we don't have to do anything fancy. The only thing we have to do is keep them out of the end zone. They're like 40 yards out. Keep them out of the end zone and make a tackle inbounds. That's it. Like, I mean, these are professional people that get paid millions of dollars to do this, right? That's all you gotta do. 
And then it happens, the famous Minneapolis, Minnesota miracle, whatever you want to call it, where Marcus Williams would go on to win. Look at that tackle. That's a horrible form tackle. And he misses his tackle on Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs catches the ball, and then he's off to the races. They score a touchdown. They win the game in the last seconds. We get booted out of the playoffs. So that's year. That's the first year. I remember I was at youth group at my old church uh, where I used to serve, and I was watching the game on my iPhone. It was a it was a Sunday night game, and I have all my eighth grade boys behind me watching, and they're like massaging my shoulders, and you got this. And then I remember when this play happened, I remember turning off my phone, flipping it over, and looking at the youth pastor and saying, "You may begin." And so then, fast forward a year later, we're back in the playoffs. You think to yourself, it surely can't get worse. I promise you it can. Um, we go 13-3 and three this year, and we are back in the playoffs. It's going to be great. We have the Philadelphia Eagles coming into town. We destroy them, not even like a hope for them. And then we go to the next game, and we get the L.A. Rams. The Rams come to town, and, it, and it's supposed to be a big game, and it's back and forth. And I still remember there was a minute and like 40 seconds left on the clock. All we had to do was, was get a first down to run out the clock and, or kick a field goal, and we would win. We're tied at this point. So Drew Brees drops back, throws a pass to Tommy Lee Lewis, and then we have the famous NFL no call where Nickel Robbie Coleman, I remember this man, and I am very mad at him, he tackles Tommy Lee Lewis before the ball gets to him, which is illegal in football. That should have been offensive pass interference. And please humor me. Look at this ref. What is he doing? He's right there looking at the ball, and he doesn't throw a flag. And so he misses the throw. He misses the flag. The score is 20-20, and we go to lose that game. Again, booted out of the playoffs. Then comes year three, which is last year. We make it to the playoffs again with another great record of 13 and three. We get the Vikings again back in town. So it's, I'm feeling it, right? Revenge game, this is it. Well, end of the game, they need to score a touchdown. They start driving down the field. And then the famous push-off happens where Kyle Rudolph gets a ball thrown to him. He pushes off a defender, which is illegal. And then he catches the ball for a touchdown. The Vikings go to win that game. That is three years of heartbreak Three years of, of, of tears, three years of throwing my hat across the room, three years of, of just hurt. And so you can see how you can be, come to be hopeless in the postseason when your team does this all the time to you. And this year it's not any easier because tonight we play perhaps the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Tom Brady, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm freaking out. So if you want to send me some prayers, you can tune into the History Channel to the Old Man Bowl, where it's Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. And hey, if you dislike that man from New England as much as I do, tune in and let's boo him together. Um, but again, back to my idea of despair, this is what I'm talking about. The idea that Man, sometimes life is hard, and sometimes life hits you right between the eyes, and it can be despairing. And on a much more, ser- uh, a much more serious note, there's been a couple of things that have happened this year that can be despairing. Maybe for you, you've lost a job that you've been at for years, and maybe you thought you were going to retire there. Or for you, you lost a loved one, maybe to the virus or to something else, or you lost a relationship because we live in a charged atmosphere where if you disagree with somebody, you seemingly can't be friends with them. Or maybe for you, you lost a business that you've been building from the ground up. And I was chatting with our students and, and looking at some of the things that they've lost this year. They've lost uh, time with their friends. They've lost graduations. They've lost sporting events. 
They've lost vacations with their families. It has been a rough year, so I can totally see how despair can easily take over. Now this morning, I wanna talk to you about three things that I think we can do in order to take that despair and turn it over into hope. First thing I would say that we need to do is we need to release control. We need to let go of the control we think we have. Because you may ask why, and I believe that there is a very strong connection between increase in control and increase in despair. And here's what I mean by that. The tighter we hold on to control, then when it slips, because we never really had it, it leads us to more despair. It's like, a, it's like a bar of soap. The tighter you grip it, the easier it is when it shoots out. That is what happens with this. When we try and hold on and we have this death grip on controlling every facet of our life and we don't realize that we're never in control, that God is in control, then when we lose it, it leads us into this cycle of despair. We are not good at not being in control. We like having all of our ducks in a row. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And I think back, you know, how this has affected me. And, and when Elkie and I first got married, uh, I was, uh, we were trying to make bills and, and whatnot. And um, I had to work four jobs at that time. And I, so at 4 a.m., I was up early and I was heading over to Target, not to shop, but to unload trucks. And after I was done unloading the trucks, I was stocking shelves. And then as soon as I was done at Target, I would go over to Best Buy and I would sell iPhones to people that were upgrading from flip phones, which was the worst experience ever. And then I I would do that for a couple hours. And then after that, I would take off my blue polo, put on my red polo and walk around the corner over to GNC where I would sell fat burners and snake oils to people that thought that they worked. And I would do that for a couple hours. And then when I was done with that, I would change into my basketball shorts or my sweats and I would go to the gym down the street and then I would run the front desk and I would wipe down weights and I would check people in and then if I had some time at the end of the night, I'd get a workout in. That was my life for a long, long, long time and it sucked. I look back on it now and I remember how much I hated those jobs. You know, I had just graduated with a degree in student ministry and psychology and counseling and I'm looking at God and I'm wondering, what am I doing? There's gotta be more to life than this because I didn't go to college to wipe down weights and sell supplements. That's not what I went there for. And, and I looked at people that I trusted and I would come home frustrated that I couldn't find any jobs or God wasn't, wasn't showing me anything. And I remember talking to my mentors and they would tell me all the time, stop trying to change your circumstances Trust in God that he's got you there for a reason. And I remember Randy Garris telling me this. He was one of my mentors. He said, whatever intersection God plants you in, work at it for his glory. 
And so in Randy's mind, the way he explained the kingdom of God, it's like this city, right? And there's, and there's grids, there, there's crossroads. And he said, God's gonna plant you at one of those crossroads. God's gonna put you at an intersection. And you have to work at it for his glory. Now, this intersection may not be the sexiest intersection. It may not be the, crowd, the most crowded intersection. It may not be the cleanest intersection, but it's the intersection that God put you in. So work at it for his glory. So that's what I did. I handed it over to God and I just kind of let my guard down and I just told God, God, you need to take care of this because I'm sick and tired of trying to do it on my own. And after a couple months, I got promoted to assistant manager at Best Buy. So I was able to quit my other three jobs and I was able to be home at a decent time and spend time with my wife. And I was able to do these things. But after some time, I got, I got kind of fed up with that because I still wanted more. And that's when Christ in Youth CIY came knocking. Now, CIY is a nonprofit company that do events, trips, and resources all over the country. They see anywhere from 80 to 90,000 students in a calendar year at their events. It's an awesome company, and they came to look for me because I had a background in sales at Best Buy and also a background in ministry. Now, I didn't lift a finger for CIY to come looking for me, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying, look at our God work. Look at our God do his thing. Because I didn't do anything to receive that job. They came looking for me, and then through interviews and whatnot, I ended up there. And then ultimately, two years later, that's what brought me here, was having that job. So God had a plan. God figured it out as soon as I let go of this control. I went from having no hope of a career in ministry to at this moment entering ministry for the first time. And honestly, I can't see myself ever ever leaving it. We need to release the death grip we have over the things that we want to control and give it over to God because I don't know about you, but I trust him more than I trust myself. I trust God way more than I trust myself. I, I can't help, whenever I think of trust, I can't help but think of Peter. Peter was, you know, if, you, if you've read the Bible at least once, you know who Peter was and you know his struggles. And I believe one of them was very much control. And I just watched The Chosen. Has anybody watched The Chosen in here? It's a series, yeah? Okay, a couple of you guys. It's, it's awesome. I can't help but recommend it to people. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful series put together of Jesus' life. And it, and it looks at Jesus from, from a very human perspective because our God was human at the same time as he was God. And it, and it paints picture in this, and it paints Jesus in this human light, and it's great. And, I, and the scene where Peter finally realizes who Jesus is, and he's been fishing all night to pay off some taxes, and they catch nothing, and then Peter gets to shore, and Jesus tells him, hey, throw your nets over to the other side, and we know the story. The nets fill so much with fish that the ships are about to sink. But here's what the Bible has to say about it. Luke 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a litter from shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Peter spent all night trying to figure out on his own. All night at it with buddies and nobody caught a single thing. And I would imagine that he probably even doubted or even was annoyed with Jesus that Jesus would tell him to throw out his nets again. He's like, bro, I just finished scrubbing these. They smell like fish. I got thrown back in. And so Peter, I can imagine, was very upset about having to do this, but he trusts Jesus and he hands it over. And as soon as he does that, he catches the fish. 
So my question to you is, what do you need to release control over? For you, is it a retirement account that you're unsure if it's big enough? Is it a family member that's hostile towards you or doesn't look at you and, you, and that relationship? Is it, for you parents, is it your kids or your teens that you helicopter over and obsess over because you want to make sure that nothing happens to them ever? Is it issues with your coworkers or an overbearing boss that is just getting on your nerves? We need to hand over the reins to God and just sit along for the ride because that's how we were meant to live. And that leads me to my second point, and that is we have to rest in God's promises. As Christians, it is so important that we rest in his promises because if you look back at any promise in scripture that God made, he fulfilled. And one of my favorite ways I've seen this in my life is through the practice of tithing. Now, my mom raised me to be a tither. My whole life, you know, we, we always gave, and we didn't have a whole lot growing up. My mom worked really, really hard, but what we did have, mom always, always made sure that we tithe, and she instilled that in my heart. Somewhere along the line, when I became an adult, I forgot about that, and I stopped, and I stopped making it a priority in my life. And there were days where I didn't tithe, and there were days when I did tithe, if I happened to have some cash on me, if it was convenient. Um, but it was never a practice that I stuck to for some reason or another. And at, at times, I worried more about, well, I kind of want to buy this video game, or I want to get this junk food with my college bod, with my buddies, or I want this new you know, phone, whatever. I, I put so many things in front of tithing, and here's what 2 Corinthians says about tithing. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I was the complete opposite of a cheerful giver. I gave because I felt like I had to. I gave when it was convenient. I gave just because, you know, I, I just felt guilty or when it was available. But here's the promise from the book of Malachi about tithing. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. So what changed in my life? Well, like many of you, I married a godly woman that makes me better. And if you've ever met my wife, uh, she is very soft-spoken, she's very introverted, she's very sweet, um, she's very, you know, she's, she's cool with taking the background, 
There is one thing that Elkie ever put her foot down about, and that was tithing. It didn't matter how much I fought her. She was like, we tithe. Sorry about you. If you don't like it, well, you're going to like it. Because um, ultimately, she handles the finances in our house. Um, and, and, and we did it. And it was a battle, and it was pulling teeth on my end. And because, because I wanted it, man. I wanted my money. It's my money. I worked for it. Why shouldn't I have it? What, what does God need money for? He, he's God. He can make things happen. He doesn't need money. And, I, and it was this internal struggle where, where I was selfish. And, and thankfully, she broke me, and God broke me out of that, and we started tithing. And then that holiday season, I remember, was a particularly difficult holiday season. We were recently married. Holidays are expensive. You know, you got to buy gifts for people, and you got to drive places, and you got to get food, and da, da 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 And then we have bills, and we have rent to pay. And granted, our rent was only like $370 a month because it was a tiny one-bedroom apartment. But it was still a lot for college students. And so I was freaking out about all these things and just said, God, you're going to have to take care of this. A couple cool things happened. First, Elkie's grandpa just decided to give us each a $100 bill for Christmas instead of buying us gifts. So that was awesome. There's, there's a couple bucks right there. Then after that, um, I play fantasy football almost every year, and I almost never win. Um, but for some reason, this year was the first year I decided to put money on it and join a money league, and I won that year. And I won like $400, uh, you know, that came in January after the, after the holiday season. And that, you know, softened the blow quite a bit. And then after that, I got a phone call from a apartment complex that we had applied to go into a year and a half before, and they had found out that the reason nobody had received their deposits back was because the lady that was running it had embezzled all that money, and she had ran away with it, and so our money was gone. Well, they called me, and they were trying to make everything right, and they said, we can give you your money back, and I'm like, awesome, I could use that $120, and she's like, oh, great, you just need your receipt. My receipt from a year ago? I'm a guy. Come on, man. Like the moment they gave me that receipt, I was like, yeah, cool, thanks. And I moved on with my life. And I, so I have no idea what this receipt is. And I start racking my brain and I remember, well, it was cold that day because it was in the winter. So I must have been wearing a jacket. So I go to my closet and I open up and I pull off my North Face jacket because it's the only jacket I ever wore. And I, and I throw it on. I'm digging around the pockets and, ah, man, there's nothing in there. So I go to hang the jacket back up. And then it comes to me. There's a hidden pocket inside the jacket. And so let's just check. And I unzip, and lo and behold, like not a day has passed, there's the receipt. And I take a picture of it, and I send it to the company, and they give us our money back. And it was a great blessing. God rewarded our faithfulness in his promise that he would take care of us. So God promises to bless us when we, keep, when we listen to his promises. But here is the thing. Let me do a sidebar real quick. Don't get it twisted. I am not up here preaching you the prosperity gospel. I am not up here lying to you, telling you that whenever you give, God's gonna give you exactly 10% or 100 times or whatever back in money because God doesn't always work that way. God doesn't promise us an easy life and finances. So don't think that I'm up here saying that if you give, you are gonna be blessed financially beyond measure and God's gonna put a Porsche on your driveway because he ain't or he might not. Um, but here's the thing, he does take care of his people. He may bless you financially, sure, he may bless you with relationships, he may bless you with health, but God is gonna take care of us when we rely in his promises. God promises hope, and that is what we find in Isaiah 40, it says this, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. What I'm saying is this, church, is that God has a perfect track record for keeping his word. Perfect. Never fails. 
Think back on a, a boss you had, or maybe you played some sports in college or high school, or a good coach. And whenever they promised you that they would make you better, that they would give you a promotion or whatever, if you worked hard and you worked hard and they deliver those promises, didn't it make it easier to trust in them? Didn't it make it easier to believe what they have to say? To hope in the fact that you're gonna get to that next level? Think of the people of Israel in the Old Testament and how they were told for years and years and years that they were gonna be a great nation while they're sitting under the rule of Egypt. And for years and years and years, they're promised that this is gonna happen and then God sends Moses. And God takes him out of, out of Egypt and then he parts the sea and then he protects them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Joshua 21, 45 says this, not one of all of Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So why do we doubt? When he has a, he's batting 10 for 10, man, he's killing it. The Lord has a perfect track record, so we have to lean on his promises because they give us hope that no matter how dark the night, joy comes in the morning, amen? That's right. Which leads me to my third and final point and probably the most important point, and that is this. We have to remember the resurrection. We have to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death is so To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.